Welcome to the Inner Athlete Podcast, where we discuss all things youth athlete development and youth mentoring. Uh, what's happening, guys? How you doing? Yeah, good, yeah. thanks. Good. What's, um, what's news in your world, Matt? Um, fair bit, fair bit going on, actually. Yeah, yeah got a new house, mate. Yeah. Um, just moved in from the UK. So, yeah, good fun there. Um, you got yeah, a footy grand final coming up, don't you? Oh, yeah, I do as well, actually. Yeah, well, we've got to make it there first. But, oh, yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, I've got a prelim this weekend, so, yeah. No, going good. Very nice. And how are you, Dave? Yeah, not a lot, not a lot. Um, just lifting, lifting heavy, eating big food. Eat big, get big. Yeah, looking good. Stay large and in charge. That's it, yeah. that's it. <laughs> All right, why are we here today, Matt? What are we going to talk about? Uh, we're going to talk about the importance of uh, nutrition and nutrition around um, youth athletes and just um, adolescent years, just in general there. So, yeah, just looking at how nutrition plays a role in everything. Yeah, um, and... Why, why is it a topic that's worthwhile you know, going deeper into? Um, yeah, I think especially with, with a lot of the kids here, we just see how, I guess, the lack of knowledge and education around nutrition has played an impact um, in, I guess, the deficiencies we see in, in a lot of the kids. And maybe not deficiencies in terms of their, I guess, structure and looking at, I don't know, anything too specific, but we see in terms of their energy levels, their mood, um, tends to fluctuate a lot and then you know asking any prying questions about you know what they have for breakfast what they have after school um, doesn't take too much to see how um, their lack of food or lack of eating properly has has affected that so um, I think especially now when we're dealing with athletic population on top of their already growing bodies um, during the adolescent years just the lack of food and lack of good quality food is um, really deterring away from their performance and not performing as well as they could be so yeah it's a big i guess the alarming thing that we've seen um starting out now yeah yeah it's almost like a, a carousel as soon as they get a lack of nutrition you know sleep goes down performance yeah. goes down it yeah. goes down school grades go down and it's just kind of like a a rabbit hole a never-ending cycle yeah for yeah. some of the kids yeah, yeah definitely leaving a lot of gains on a lot of gains and a lot of progress on the table. Yeah, yeah. And you just see the kids like lacking concentration. You know, kids already have a lack um, inability to focus for long periods of time, and then if they're not eating the right foods, and they're just coming in here, um, well, especially in the gym, um, just not be able to focus. But then, I mean, I can only imagine how it's affecting their school life and ability to study for long periods of time after. Yeah. Yeah. It's like playing life on hard mode. Yeah, that's right. It's already hard as it is. Yeah, that's right. Cool. Um, let's talk about the lack of um, education implementation. So what specifically do we see or with here, but then what do we see outside as well with some of the parents and the kids and the lack of implement, implementation of good nutrition practices? Yeah. Um, well, I think, well, one, I guess in schools, I think, I mean, even myself growing up, and I'm sure the same with you guys, just the... Or lack of knowledge and, and education you're given at, at that early age um, and it really isn't until I mean it becomes an elective later on in high school where you go into the actual depths and I guess the important stuff which you probably should have been given a lot earlier in your schooling life so it isn't really until year 11 maybe 10 11 12 where if you, if you choose to do PE or um, health something like that is where you get into the really nitty-gritty and gain a better understanding um, of nutrition side of things so I guess from starting from an early age it's not given to you and then that sort of just drips on to i don't know parents and whatnot and just the lack of understanding um and it seems to be a big heavy focus on snacking and a lot of quick energy foods which is not necessarily a bad thing but especially with kids um 
I think it then turns them into fussy eaters because all they're used to is, okay, how can I get, I don't know, the quickest hit of energy and eating foods that taste good all the time rather than focusing on big meals that are actually going to sustain energy for long periods of time. So um, I guess lack of education um, around around those sort of nutritional needs, especially for um, adolescent years. And then, like we said before, you've already got adolescent needs or adolescent children with increased energy demands and energy needs, and then you add the athletic population on top of that, and then tenfold. So, um, just that lack of um, focus around around the nutrition for the specific needs of the individual um, child. Yeah. So, how do we how do we address that? How do we address that? We'll come in, dinner athlete, be a good good first step. And speaking speaking to the coaches here, give us a call. Decent <laughs> below. That's right. Yeah. Um, but I guess it's up up to the parents ultimately to guide the children in the right direction because like I said it's not getting it from school and the kids aren't going to know any better themselves I, I can't imagine many 10 year olds looking on YouTube the proper nutrition for the yeah going going to that point where do we get where do most people get their educational nutrition it's actually marketing yeah it's yeah like, you know it doesn't matter what the product is and you know like cereals like you know when Cocoa Pops is like oh they've got X amount of protein in it or Nutri-Grain Nutri-Grain is yeah. actually a really big one it's got you know, 10 grams of protein per serve or something like that. And I was like, yes, it does. But, you know, are there better sources of protein out there? Yeah, of course there are. Or even, you know, consuming things that are marketed as healthy, but consumed in large amounts is no better than something that's relatively unhealthy. Yeah. Like I remember having a conversation with one of our members and just trying to have a better understanding about what he eats in a a day, in a school day specifically. Um, And... I guess alarming might not be the, the right word, but I don't know, say for breakfast, I think he had Weepix and milk, which nothing super wrong with that. That's fine. But then school, during school, he had, I think a muesli bar, an apple for lunch, and then a can of tuna and some snacks for lunch. Sorry, it was a recess, was a small snack, and then lunch was a bigger thing. And he thought the, the can of tuna was enough protein for the whole day and then has whatever he has for dinner. So I think, like we said, to come back to that, nutrition side but like uh, the education side but like we don't have to get too specific about amounts of protein and all the macronutrients in, in foods and stuff like that but I think kids have a false narrative understanding around like the amount of food and protein and, and nutrients that are required to, to to actually facilitate the growth and the change that they want to be experiencing so yeah it's almost like oh I'm getting protein and then you ask the question is like, you know, how much protein you get yeah. out through the day and it's like when you kind of break it down, you know, we get our members, even the young kids doing food diaries here, we ask them, it's like, do you think that's enough? And, you know, when the, when we go into the research of it, it's like, okay, you should be at least having probably double that yeah. throughout the day, especially for like very active kids who, you know, for our swimmers, the prime example, you know, they're swimming between five and seven days or seven times a week. Then they also got gym two to three times on top of that. Then they also got school on top of that. And they also have school sports on top of that. And then they also got study on top of that. And it's like, oh, it's just they need a lot more in general yeah that's that's probably why they're going for them all these quick fix things because they don't have time to think about nutrition yeah yeah Yeah. so that's where yeah the parents have to be involved in that aspect of thing and just giving them the right the right um foods the more you just give it to them and always in their face and the less they have to think about it and then the more it's just part of their their nature they're just used to it yeah yeah that's good um let's look at that we'll give you some case studies of of athletes that have um, worked with us in the past. Um, we'll talk about um, Mia and um, and Shiloh. So we've got uh, two swimmers and they do have like different demands 
uh, specifically. Shout out Mia and Shiloh. Yeah, shout out. Um, Mia is is our sprinter. Um, Shiloh is a sprinter, but she also does um, middle distance as well. So she might do um, 200. I think she does 200 IM as well. Yep. How does the demands for events and how does the demands for certain sports change with um, with like the nutritional needs for each? Yeah, so I guess we'll start with the different demands for different types of sports. So um, I guess we'll use swimming versus like a track and field athlete per se. So the during swimming, so the body has to counteract three different um, temperatures to be able to maintain its homeostasis, so main... Um, functioning so you got the the internal body temperature you got the temperature of the water and then temperature of the air so the body constantly is having to fight all those three temperatures to maintain proper function and then obviously you're dealing with sport um, excessive sweating excessive exertion um, to counteract that and then if you think about a whole swimming meet they're coming in the water to warm up for x amount of time coming out having to cool down after most of the time when you get out of the pool you're shivering so you're already burning more calories there um then you've got to cool down stay relatively neutral warm up again race come back out come back down are you doing that for i don't know six hours or two or three days over a full weekend yeah over a split day yeah yeah so energy demands there is obviously rapid rapidly increased compared to say a field athlete so you say the same type of event same individual events in a in a track and field to say you're doing a sprinter they're i guess better able to regulate their own body temperature and their own environments compared to that swimmer so the swimmer there in that instance is going to have to consume a lot more food during the day and the days before to be able to best perform on the day versus someone who can probably get away with not having to um, consume as much food they might, they're both sprinters in this situation so sprinting in track and field sprinting um, in a runner but just the demands of their sport and the, the actual environment that they're in plays a massive um, difference in the type of food that they're going to have to be eating and the amount of food yeah uh, that's actually really good I think the, the swimming thing is a really big one I think it, it's just not known yeah. It's like you don't know what you don't know in yeah. this case and obviously that swimmers will burn through a lot of calories uh, the amount of hours they put into the pool, like obviously going in and out um, on a regular basis. Um, but then with kind of the athletes that we're work, working with at the moment, with, with Mia, especially with the nutritional needs, I remember when I was working with her initially, she would eat a, like a lot of like, um, like, like beige-looking foods as a result. And I started to really educate her on the amount of protein that she was consuming and I asked her, you know, is this enough protein for you to recover and be able to get back into the pool the next day or even feel better? Because a lot of athletes these days, they don't know what actually better feels like because feeling crap is kind of their normal. So we actually want to try and break out of that cycle and that's the kind of the carousel some of these athletes get stuck on. So yeah. for me, it was her to start to incorporate foods or more nutrition, nutri- nutriently dense foods because she was already consuming enough calories as it was. So I said, like, can we incorporate what foods do you like? Get her to write a whole bunch of foods, list, that she, list of foods that she likes. Okay, cool. Can we incorporate this? Where can we incorporate it? Yeah. So then you then by them answering their own questions, they can start to figure out where they can start to eat better in general. Um, and that's actually been pretty successful for her. Yeah. Um, to, in order to keep on track with the, her nutritional needs, functionality, you know, obviously she, 
know, school school for her in this case. Yeah. But she's still able to put the work in at the moment because she's with us, yeah, four times a week. Um, then she's doing two two to three conditioning sessions at home. Then she's swimming um, about two two or three times a week as well yeah. because she's coming back from a, a long term injury. So, and what about um, Shiloh? Yeah. So yeah, so like you said, so still a sprinter and still um, same sports as both swimming, both sprinters. But yeah, maybe slightly different energy demands um, for their individual events. But I think Shiloh's on the when we when they both when they both started they're both pretty similar in terms of eating eating habits but i think shiloh is an example of one that sort of came was more accepting of the changes and and change a lot quicker than say mia might have so um i guess we we used her the specific diaries um in our seminar that we did if you want to check it out on youtube um yeah, so you can see a bit of, bit of a breakdown of the type of foods that, that, that they were eating. So Shiloh's a bit more um, open to eating uh, a range of a range of different foods. Um, so every day there was enough protein, enough fruits, vegetables and whatnot, but even from day to day the protein sources were changing, the, the vegetable fruit sources were changing. Um, and then even inadvertently she found herself eating more carbs, um, the day before events or the couple of days leading up to events so even when we're trying to work with the kids to I guess try carbohydrate loading and and different nutrition strategies around their performance um, inadvertently they were already doing those sort of strategies so it was good to see that um, it was sort of like a light bulb moment for them that okay well like we're talking about like the feeling of feeling good is supposed to be that's supposed to be your normal feeling. It's supposed to be your baseline. It's not supposed to be like, okay, I'm only supposed to feel good the day of competition or the day before. So, um, yeah, it's good to see, I guess, the changes that, that these two athletes specifically were, were able to see. Yeah, yeah. Like not playing life in hard mode. Yeah, yeah and uh, just to add perspective to that, the the quality of coaching and, and advice and education around nutrition that these girls are getting, um, you know, most athletes won't get this type of coaching until they reach an elite level where they're getting nutritional advice from you know, qualified dietitian, nutritionists. So if we can catch them at this level where they're hoping to crack into those elite levels, we're already boosting their performance by, you know, I want to say, you know, two times over. So they're already, so by coming before, before us, they've left so many gains on the table by, by adding the nutritional information and coaching, their, their times are improving as well as training. Yeah. yeah, and we're trying to ingrain it to the point where they can implement it no matter where they are you know in melbourne if they move clubs they know what they're doing if they move facilities to go somewhere else that's fine um, if they decide to go to college level that's totally fine as well we want them to be able to have a, a really good idea or a good have good practices in place uh, so when they do move on so then they don't revert back to old habits and potentially that hinders them in terms of their performance because when they have trained better when they've eaten better sleep has improved the performance is just generally improved as well so we're just trying to address one specific area but we also address you know, other areas with the training yeah you know, lifestyle management and all that jazz yeah because i guess the main goal for us here is just to educate the individual like we want to make the individual better whether it's by training knowledge nutrition knowledge sleep knowledge is to make the make the individual a better person and more knowledgeable then obviously they're going to benefit themselves in their own sports and athletic endeavors um, but like you say, so they can go away, whether they choose to finish up or move somewhere else or wherever it might be. But that's, I guess, the big goal for us is, is 
guess, educating that individual so then they can make the on-the-fly changes that they might need to or they can look at themselves and be like, oh, I felt crappy today, why did I feel crappy? Didn't eat well, didn't sleep well. Um, so then they can make their own changes on race day, game day or in, um, training day to day. So, um, yeah, by indi- in educating that individual, they're able to make those the changes themselves. Yeah, the last thing I want to talk about is, and I, this does not get brushed on enough, is I guess let's look at the demands of school assessments exams um relationships in terms of nutrition needs and changes because um i'll let you hash on it first matt and then i'll chime in after yeah so i think yeah like you say what's i guess largely underplayed is the impact of the mental stress and mental fatigue that um or the, the the impact that mental fatigue has on energy demand so just as much as physical stresses do so i don't know going playing sport um in excess going um into hard competition periods and what it might be your hard training periods obviously your energy demand increases there as well but going through i don't know exam periods breaking up with your partner going through um family issues um exams different assessment periods these will play a large impact as well if your mind's always racing about okay well i need x amount of extra time to study i need to worry about exams i'm staying up late to get extra study in then that's just going to have a massive effect on on how much food they're going to need because i forget the stat now but i think if you get six hours of sleep the your increase your carbohydrate in um, consumption increases by about 60% or something like that. I forget what the exact statistic Yeah, because so. your body's in more stressed out state as a result and yeah. needs fast energy. So it's looking for all those um, quick fixes that, that it can need. So like, these all interplay into the, the feelings that the, the children are feeling in day-to-day school. But yeah, and, and it's just all short-term stuff. It's supposed to be a survival mechanism that's supposed to be short-term, which is, which is normal. But unfortunately, it's for a lot of people, it's their normal on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. So that's why we want to practice good nutrition, bring them in more of a rest and restore, relaxed state. Yeah. So then they can actually eat better foods and the digestion system is working, all that jazz. Everything's just functioning as it should. Yeah. Um, and then if the periods of stress that they can actually, the body can tolerate it for short periods of time, but not for long periods. And that's where illnesses and um, sickness can come from or can stem from. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Right. I think we'll wrap that up. Um, do you want to give us just your final wrap up? Yeah, yeah. So, um, what are three things that people can take away? Yeah, or should take three away? Things. Um, well, obviously, get a large focus of um, protein or large protein in, in a main meal, at least three, four meals a day, whichever you preference. Um, number two. Number two, we'll go with, um, I guess from the parent side of things, just looking at um, educating themselves or looking for a source to to find some information about um, proper nutrition um, for their own individual athlete. And then number three, um, I guess looking at your own circumstances, whether it's your own sport um, position in life or period and during your school and just assessing the sort of demands or increased demands that you might be experiencing or regression in demand so if you've got easier period you don't have to eat as much food either um which is yeah taking that assessment to look at the period of your life in and assessing whether what nutrition changes need to occur yeah cool that's it awesome don't forget to leave a like and subscribe yeah please helps us yeah if it helps you help us thanks peace out (laughs) thanks (laughs) 
You have just listened to the Inner Athlete Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to stay up to date with the release of weekly episodes. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram to get great tips on all things youth athlete development and youth mentoring.